Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Morning shot. Welcome to Morning Shot. It's Ryan A. Mutt with you. The importance of mental wellness has gained ground in recent years as more companies adopt initiatives to keep their employees emotionally healthy. So today, we'll be tackling one issue at the heart of workplaces, loneliness, a topic that was covered in an opinion piece on The Straits Times. Imad, do you typically view colleagues as friends in the workplace you've been through? How lonely do you feel at work or not? Um, I don't feel very lonely right now <laughs> with you next to me. But no, in, in all seriousness, I guess in the past, uh, we all have at some level experienced a bit of loneliness at work. Mm. And I think that is consistent for a number of us. You typically tend to buy into the culture of an organization that you join. So you always want to have that element of camaraderie amongst colleagues. Whether they're considered friends, I guess, is a topic for Yeah, I imagine well. a lot comes into the mix. You know, who your colleagues are, how yes. old they are, whether you can connect yes. with them, whether you're introvert or extrovert. Or, yeah, introvert extrovert, extrovert, you know, what time you come into work, what time you leave. And I guess in our industry, we've worked at, you know, all sorts of people. But anyway, as they say, uneasy lies the head that wears the crown. That famous line from William Shakespeare's King Henry IV would likely resonate with many corporate honchos. Mm, indeed, a common perception among many is that it can be cold and lonely at the top. But in fact, studies have found that workplace loneliness is likely to permeate through all the way to the bottom rung of the ladder. Yep, and guess what? We're not so lonely in the studio today because joining us for this conversation is Audrey Quack, opinion editor at The Straits Times. A very good morning to you, Audrey. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> um, happy to be here. Happy to have you here. And also with us is Dr. Sean E, who is a clinical psychologist and psychoanalytic psychotherapist and the director at The Psychology Practice. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Good morning and thanks for having me. Very welcome. Audrey, let's start with you. Earlier on, Ryan and I briefly shared our experiences. Now we want to thrust you into the spotlight. We want to hear from you. How do you normally approach workplace friendships? And was there any point in your career that you felt lonely? And if so, why? Okay, for me, I think it is important to have uh, friends, mm. right? Not the deep, deep sort of friends. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, at least social connections, because we spend so much of our time in the office and it would be terrible if everything is transactional and work-related. Mm. So for me, I think there are plenty of possibilities out there to make connections. Parents have a lot to talk about. Children, sure. yes. right? Pets, you know, <laughs> uh, ownership of cats and dogs also yield a lot of possible discussions. And football, like guys get very <laughs> animated, even if they did disagree, which is the best club in the world, mm. right? Mm. So there, there are many areas where you can connect. And actually, if you are new to an organisation, there are quite often telltale signs. Like I think in the newsroom, there is one desk with full of plastic figurines of Batman. Oh, wow. Mm. Yes. And, you know, and that was when I discovered that this colleague is a real fan of all things Batman. So this is where you can make connections, right? Mm. Um, have I ever felt lonely? Yes, it was during the early phase of the COVID lockdown. Mm. Because, you know, coming to work, part of the joy is the buzz, the free-ranging conversations that you have with friends. And then there was this lockdown. Yeah. And I felt very cut off. It was a bit of a shock to the system. Mm. You miss all that spontaneity. Yeah. And Zoom is not a substitute. Yeah, the water cooler conversations, yes, as they call them. Yes, precisely. Yeah. Or the pantry in our yes, case. Yes, right? yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, Sean, I feel lonely sometimes because I'm not very good at small talk, so I can't really build connections as easily as you know, some other folks. How will you tell if someone's lonely at work? What is going to be the factors you're looking at when you decide, no, this person is a bit more lonely and maybe a bit more introverted in a sense? Thanks for that question. It's a huge question. I think uh, it lends itself to at least to some level knowing someone a bit deeper mm. to be able to know if they're truly lonely. But uh, in general, if to answer the question, I think um, you know we, once we enter a new workplace or we've been there for some time, we would have some reputation, right? With some people knowing that we are such and such a person. Mm-hmm. So at some superficial level, we have to somehow apply our social skills, right? Appropriately, yes or no. And we also have our uh, personalities that may clash uh, with other people's values. So if we think about, at least on a superficial level, the social connection, as uh, Audrey nicely put, if we came across as being having a differing view, we might be seen as weird. Why is this person not talking, right? It might be, but uh, that's just an impression. Even if that was the opinion or social opinion, that may not necessarily be true. That could be their work persona, mm. but once they're out of work, they're like party animal. Yeah, Sean, this is a good point, right? Because I enjoy eating lunch by myself. So is it wrong to look lonely at least? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> There's no lonely look, if you will. But uh, I, I suppose if you want to, you know, um, hunker down and have your own sort of light meal, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, even extroverted people might need time to calm down from the overwhelm of mm. having like a huge social event or, you know, having to cope with too much steam. So uh, just as much, you know, you don't really know if someone is having their a meal alone. You don't know whether they are lonely or actually they just want to have a quiet meal. Mm. Audrey, uh, Ryan just spoke about knowing someone deeper to know if they're truly right. lonely. How challenging is it to build such deep human connections? How do you open up to someone and feel comfortable enough to trust them with the information you're sharing? I find that, honestly, it depends on the personality, right? And body language is one way you, you find out. But I also have to say there's this related problem of how deep you want to go, mm. right? There is this separate issue of treating your office as a family, and you've heard of the term work spouse, right? So I, <laughs> I think there is also a need for certain boundaries, how far you go with your friendships at work and not to let your commitment and everything in the office go so far that it could come at expense of your real family. Mm. So I would say mm. it depends. You have to read the room, read the personality. Sure. Yeah, Sean, that's a very good point, right? Where do you draw the line? Because to some extent, if you've got friends you look forward to seeing in the office, every day is going to be quite enjoyable. I think Audrey's point is well put. I think boundaries is the first thing we need to think about. I think boundaries in general, what it might mean for many of our listeners is that it helps to keep in. It also helps to keep out. So if you think about what we might need to do in the office, you know, we have to be a human. So what we tend to do is that we might repeat. And this is our deep psychological dynamics and repetitions. What that literally means is familial patterns. So let's say we were to think about you know, office as a family or work spouse, we might then start to expect certain things from mm. certain people in certain positions of responsibility and so on and so forth. So we know at a deeper level, psychologically speaking, when we come together as a group, we replay old patterns like schoolyard stuff. It's like going to school. I quarrel with my next door neighbor here because they got something better than me. Or, for example, another view here is that we regress deeply mm. into childlike states, right, when we are in groups. And this is really interesting because psychologically speaking, no one really thinks about it that way. What, you mean I'm, I'm, I'm a kid? No, obviously not. But 
the way in which we ask for things, we expect things tend to be pretty interesting then. All right, if you're just joining us, we're in conversation with Audrey Quirk, who's an opinion editor at The Straits Times, as well as Dr. Sean E., who's a clinical psychologist and psychoanalytic psychotherapist and the director at the psychology practice. We're talking about loneliness at work. Dr. Sean, are there any types of work or professions that might predispose one to loneliness and why might be the case? I would love to say that's like my top three. Just by the number of like uh, professionals that come through our practice to be seen, you commonly see people from the finance sectors, lawyers are a big one, teachers, uh, and so on and so forth. You know, you have the whole upper rung as well as people of the usual you and me and the st- stressors as well as the issues of loneliness per se exist everywhere. Okay, so I guess this is something a lot of us can't run away from as well, a topic that we have to grapple with. This is where I think I want to bring you in, Audrey, to talk yes. about bosses. It's quite a tricky balancing act. So in the Straits Times opinion piece, there's a mention that it seems that most subordinates do not enjoy spending time with their bosses much, let alone bonding with them. Why is that this dynamic? And I guess, is that the way it should be? In that piece that we ran, what stood out of me were the name of three bosses who have admitted to being lonely. Mm. Elon Musk, Steve Jobs and Tim Cook. In the case of the first two, I think given how volatile and intense they are, it would not be surprising that subordinates don't want to hang out with them because you never know what to expect. So bosses with that kind of temperament, I think it's natural you want to keep a distance. So, But that has the effect of them feeling very lonely at the top. But by and large, there are a lot of bosses who feel that they don't have friends simply because subordinates, especially in big organisations that you don't know the boss very well, uh, you might find it socially awkward to you know hang out more with them simply because okay at the back of your mind you might think what if I made a gaffe like blurt out that says you know I think people who like pineapples on their pizzas have poor taste <laughs> and then your boss happened to be one who loves pineapple on a pizza mm. yeah and also the fear of like you know every time you have interaction he's quietly assessing you yeah, at the yeah. back of their mind so, so it's kind of a self-protective instinct the other one is the other sort of dynamics you're a reputation amongst your colleagues. You may like your boss a lot, think, you know, your boss is the best boss you ever had, but overly friendly gestures and everything might be misread by other people in your team or in other parts of the workplace that you are like brown nosing, mm. that you have ulterior motives and that might give you a bad reputation and that might uh, yeah. affect your work with others. Yeah. Sean, where do you sit on this? Because like mm. what Audrey pointed out, you no, know, there is that fine line when you have this relationship with the boss and then you have your uh, dynamics, like you expect things from your boss and vice versa, which makes your work relationship a bit more complicated because as a boss, you have second thoughts about scolding your subordinate, if that's your friend. I think something about boundaries and the personal versus the work stuff speaks loudly here. I think one of the biggest things that is hard to separate is the blurred boundaries between you being a colleague to someone or a superior to someone and having to still be kind as a friend to the person. A lot of people find that very hard to do. And it's a it's a real issue there on a daily basis. But I do think that to be able to deal with some of these dynamics, we have to recognize what's being replayed here somewhat. And most people go to office, don't think so much about this. They're like, you know, I need to think about myself versus being evaluated. And also about, you know, if I want to please my bosses all the time, then we might just end up being very upset all the time. So there are expectations on both ends. And this is part and parcel of what I mentioned just now about the psychological dynamics 
dynamics that tends to come up quite a bit when people tend to do like subgroups, right? So these subgroups that some of us might be familiar with might be in groups and out groups. No, mm. you are closer to the bosses, or you tend to, you know, something else, and it also creates potentially quite a lot of scapegoating. Mm. So scapegoating is a huge term as well, and it comes up as a result of group dynamics. Mm. So I think some people in power, or some people who have been identified as being oh that guy there at the corner, that tends to keep to themselves. We then tend to socially, you know, isolate. Right. So these things might develop quite unconsciously and very implicitly because of the company culture, for for example. Mm. And uh, at the end of the day, start to eat away at certain people or certain expectations. And this might sound quite vague, but if we think about the earlier question you asked me, which is about you know top three jobs and things like that. I think just clearly understand you know naming them like that is kind of unfair because we know psychologically that these issues are a sign possibly of deeper personal issues, right? But also is about style. So deeper personal issues might be about apart from work in your other aspects of life. Are you also lonely? Right? These are valid questions to ask.、Mm. So we shouldn't just judge people just because they eat alone. But we also need to be understanding in terms of, for example, hey, what have you been doing on the weekend? You know, like I, I know I, nothing much. Stay at home, watch some YouTube or whatever. <clears throat> That's okay too. But if you are truly a friend, a, a close friend to the person, then you might actually ask a bit more personal questions.、Mm. Sure. Otherwise, you might just stick to the superficial. Sure. Sure.、Yeah. All right, guys. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show this morning. Thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, and thanks for having us. Thank you very much.、Yeah. All right, we've been speaking with Audrey Quack, who's the opinion editor at the Straits Times, as well as Dr. Sean E, a clinical psychologist and psychoanalytic psychotherapist, and the director at the Psychology Practice. And we were talking about an issue that's at the heart of many workplaces: loneliness. Stay with Money FM eighty nine point three. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O Audio at the App Store and Google Play.